I've told you students that life's not divided into the secular and the sacred. I've emphasized that over and over and over. Now, sometimes that statement is misunderstood. I want to clear it up this morning in your mind. And I'm right about it. Scripturally, I'm right about it. When I tell you that life is not divided into the secular and sacred, that's correct from a scriptural standpoint. That's absolutely true. Now, for instance, we'll take the Sabbath, the Lord's Day. I think it's a shame that we have uh, lost our Sabbath in this country. We have no Sabbath anymore. Uh, you know, uh, the Sabbath was a great thing. We used to keep it. Our forefathers believed in it. Now the picture shows the commercial world's taken it over. They've taken it over. You've lost it. You don't know it's Sunday in the big cities of this country when it comes to Sunday. But now Sunday is no more sacred than Monday. It just has a different purpose in view. There's a different plan for it. It's no more sacred than Monday. It's no more sacred than Saturday. It's just different. Now, the fact that the thing is different from something else doesn't make it any more sacred than anything else. Now, God set aside a day in the Old Testament. Uh, the Sabbath of the Old Testament is a day of separation to God. A time of separation. Uh, it was a mark of the separation of God to his people and his people to God. He had a purpose in the Sabbath. Not that the Sabbath was any more sacred than anything else. It simply had another purpose, a reminder of a purpose that God had in view. All right, to come to the New Testament, we have the Lord's Day, the day of the resurrection. Now, that's our Lord's Day, our Sunday, which personally I believe. I don't fight to our friends that say we ought to still keep Saturday. If they think that, all right. I am trying to argue with them. I don't agree with them, however. But that's all right. They want to think it. America's free. Uh, you can believe in this country most anything you want to believe, as long as you let other fellows believe what they want to believe. So I have nothing to fuss with them about. I think they're wrong, scripture, and every other way. But that's not this point of discussion. We brought that day over here that stood for something. That was a day when we took the horses, mules out from the plows, cleaned up the house, we all dressed up, and we set apart that day as a reminder that uh, this is a day set apart. Uh, to think God's thoughts after, to worship God, to go to church is a good thing. But not, it's no more sacred than any other day except it has a different purpose in view. Now, for instance, uh, we read in the Bible about we should neglect the assembling of ourselves together. That's clear in the Bible. Uh, we ought not to neglect that. It's, it's a one thing to have private devotions. Uh, we should pray without ceasing, but uh, we shouldn't neglect getting together once in a while for worship. You see, it's just different. Now, wait a minute. Not only should we assemble for worship, but uh, we read in the Bible about being diligent in business. It's just as uh, religious to be diligent in business as just to go to church. It's just as sacred. Now, wait a minute. It's just as sacred for you to do your job right and to be diligent in your business as it is for you to go to church. It's a, it's a different approach, but it's just as sacred. And you know, we've got where this country, we've taken God out of life. We've taken our religion, our life. And haven't you heard people crazy nuts around this country? Well, you can't mix religion and business. You know, they may never have done it, but it can be done. I know men that mix religion and business. I know men that put God in everything they do. Like I told you the story in World War I, uh, when the soldiers were coming up in a hurry off the battlefield, bloody some of them, dirty and muddy. And uh, they're coming up there, and, and there was Salvation Army was serving them some coffee and giving them some tea right quickly as they came along. And, and somebody came up and said, uh, tell them about Jesus. And the little business Salvation Army woman said, you tell them about Jesus. She said, I'm putting Jesus in the cup of coffee. Now, there's good hard sense in that business. Now, listen just a minute. 
It's just as sacred to give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus as it is to ask a sinner to accept Jesus Christ. Now, let's come down to earth, will you? One thing's no more sacred to you than another if you're a Christian. It's just as sacred for you to get up on time in the morning and dress on time and comb your hair right and brush your teeth and get over at a meals on time and sit down there. As a decent Christian man, it's as sacred it is to stand up and talk with a preacher for us on Sunday morning. Now that's where we get our preacher's voice. You know where the preacher's voice came from? It came from a misunderstanding of the sacredness of life. That's all. That's all. Walk in the church on Sunday morning and everybody's different in the world on earth. We walk down and say, God's in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. <laughs> and we've got a voice for church and a voice for the store and a voice for the social set. That's where we evolve our peculiar sort of a religious of sing song something. Why, you ought to go in the pulpit and be a perfectly natural man. You stand in the pulpit. Now, you can be an earnest man. You, you know, you be an earnest. You ought to be an earnest. But, and if you get in earnest, it gives you a different tone of voice than it does ordinarily. And this should be a dignified respect for the pulpit and the occasion of the cloth. Don't misunderstand. But, you know, some of us get more interested in the idea that we are in the church than we are that we belong to God Almighty. And we pray to our religion and have a lot of put on. That's one reason folks don't go to church. A lot of people in this country go to church. When they go to church, when they get there, uh, it's the same old thing. Preacher has a voice there. They meet him on the, before he goes to the church. Hello, doctor. Uh, how you feel? Fine. Thank you. Glad to see how the folks are all right for him. Then next minute he gets up there and fellows says, Oh, God, oh, Father, we come into this thy house this day to worship thee as God. And you wonder who's in the pulpit. That's not the guy who saw him in the go, see? And we get all that kind of thing, and, and, and we just pick it up in this country. That's what's the matter with us. Now, it's a strange sort of thing. Now, that's due to a false idea that got hold of us. Now, just a minute. It's just as sacred uh, for you to go home at the close of the day and kiss your little dirty-faced child and greet your wife with an apron out of the kitchen where she's been cooking for you. Just as sacred as it is to, uh, for you to go down to your pastor's home for a meal. Just as sacred. Now, wait a minute. Uh, when you go to your pastor's home, you're not quite as easy as you are at home. Because not your home. There's certain restrictions that belong there. You don't walk in the house. You way out to dinner. Walk back to the kitchen. Walk right because there's certain established customs that you don't do that. Uh, but it's no more sacred to be in your pastor's home for dinner than it is to be sit down and eat with your wife and children. It's just different. Now, it's no more sacred for you to sing in a choir than it is for you to plow out on the field. You know, the more I think of these farmers in this country, they just had a God consciousness when they're plowing. They just recognize God, that how good God's to them. I, I think to me a farm ought to live close to God. Looks like it put him very close to God. I remember when I used to be a plow boy as a little fellow on the farm. I, I used to stop, especially after I was converted, and realize that I was plowing God's dirt. That this is God's soil I'm working and I'm plowing here in the field. And this is God's land and the marvel of all of it. 
that, that I could plow and we could hold the land and, and hold the cotton and, and next uh, late a few months later that'd be the blooms of the cotton and, the, and then the cotton and we'd get some clothes to add. Why, why can think of nothing more sacred than that? I can't think of anything on earth that's more sacred than a mother with a little baby in her arms, a little bundle of life. There she is holding a little child in her arms, my precious little baby. Here you are, my own little bundle of life and love. What's more sacred than that? Now, now we just get such strange ideas. Listen, God told a mother what to do. God Almighty told women to be keepers at home. God said be keepers at home. It's just as sacred to be a good housekeeper as it is to teach a Sunday school class. I've got no respect for a woman. Leaves a dirty house and then goes and tries to teach the word of God to a bunch of Sunday school kids. Walking in there to tell them what to do when God told you what to do and you didn't do it before you left home. Talk about consistent living. Keep us at home. A woman, a wife, a mother that neglects her duty at home sins against God Almighty and against the word of God. Sick. Now, you listen to me. It's just as sacred for you preacher boys in this school to get your Greek as it is to stand up and read the English Bible in the pulpit. It's just as sacred for you to be the best possible speaker. Just as sacred. Now, I never had any speech train. I wish I had. Uh, God gave me a voice that can endure any kind of a strain almost, and yet it's always been husky. I would have been a far better man if I'd had the right kind of speech training, which I never had. I know a lot of times I talk fast and get in a hurry and jumble my words together. I know all that. And I know I'd be better off if I'd had the training, which I didn't have. It's just as sacred for you to uh, take the right lesson in speech as it is anything else. I know some great men in this country, as far as scholarship's concerned, if somebody had taught them how to talk. But they got up in the pulpit with a self-consciousness and a preconceived approach to the ministry. And when they stood up there to preach, uh, they robbed their great assignments of power that could have moved people. They know how to talk. Now, it's sacred for you to know how to do that. It's sacred for you to know how to play the piano. It's wonderful thing to sit down at the piano and say, now I'm doing this for Jesus. Not just doing it to show off and playing for the Lord. It's a sacred thing. It's just as sacred for you to sit down there at your piano and take your practice and do your work as it is for you to uh, sing in the choir at home or play the pipe organ back home and, and have people say she's a great artist. The, the sacredness of routine. The, the ground I've told you is holy ground. The bushes are burning around you. All of them are burning bushes. And, and all the places are temples if you are there with God. And we have sinned against God, and uh, we have diluted our religion, and have uh, diluted our worship, and put something into it that doesn't belong there. Because of our psychological approach to the thing that says this is more sacred. Now, it's different, but no more sacred. Now, if you can once get there, if you can once get there, now, really get there, and get that fixed on you, and let it grip you psychologically, let it get a hold of you, it'll change everything about you. Well, you know, sometimes a boy comes to our office over here and talk to us. And by the way, one of the sorrows of my life and Bob's life too is that it's, it's humanly impossible for us to just have time to talk to everybody. So many of you folks down here, you fellas have had problems in your life. 
problems in your life that have, uh, I, I've had through the years. I wish I could help you. The Lord has somehow blessed me with a sort of an understanding mind. I talk to people about their problems. But I just can't do it. I can't even answer the letters that are coming to our desk from people in this country who have problems. We can't have, we couldn't live and do it. It's humanly impossible. Bob can't do it. He can't carry the strain. And of course, Bob hasn't had the long years of experience I've had, but he has a pretty good understanding mind. Now we have Dr. Schaefer here and, and uh, Dr. Stanholm and these other people and the dean of uh, students and Miss Riley, dean of women and all that. And we do our dead level best. But you know, it's a great thing. I, I look back over my life at the people I dealt with that helped me with little problems, helped me over little places. Uh, the fellows I went to, I had two or three old preachers and two or three old country people that weren't preachers. But thank God for that old good backwoods common sense. The practical approach they had to life. And I used to go around to see them. And, and it's a terrible responsibility to give people advice. But somehow or other, some way, it got hold of me. I don't feel like I've got any more sacred job in the pulpit than I have anywhere else. I think advising people one of the most sacred responsibilities I ever had. It's just as sacred for one of these teachers in this school that teaches the English language or teach some other subject. It's just as sacred for them to teach that. Listen, it's no more sacred to teach the Greek and Hebrew in this school than it is to teach the English language. Listen, if you don't speak good English when you can speak good English, you sin against God just as much as if you neglected to learn what to preach. The man that uses poor English when he could use good English, Sins against God Almighty just as much as if he didn't preach the truth. Your business is to do your good deeds so your good deeds not be evil spoken of. I've known preachers never had any chances. They're out in the country and never couldn't use good English. One of the best preachers I ever knew in my life never had any training. But he knew the word. He had spiritual understanding. He never had your advantage. By the way, I may talk to you sometime on another saying. And this is the other saying I may drive to you. I might say it now in passing because I may never get to it anymore. Listen, I've known God to use men that never had a chance. But I've never known God Almighty in my life to use any man that had a chance and wouldn't take it or had a chance and wouldn't make it. Could make a chance and wouldn't do it. God may use some folks that never had a chance. But he won't use you with a chance if you don't take advantage of it. Oh, you may bluster around, have youth and personnel, and people may think you're somebody now. You may fool some of these old sisters that love everybody and think you're sweet and good just because you talk about the Lord. But if you're a dirty, lazy loafer in this school and don't get your lessons and don't study, pass up your work and skim over your work and skim over your job and, and don't get down to business and get your message and let it soak into your heart and soul and mind. You go out in the world, you'll see how you last. I've seen them come and go, God's so good, he'll use some people on a credit. He'll, he'll give them a chance to see if they'll get right. If you don't do it, you'll find out God won't use you. I never saw God Almighty put his hand of blessing and power and keep it on any man on earth that turned away from an open door of opportunity to improve himself. Or that had an opportunity, could open the door and wouldn't open some of us did about the best we could. Some of us never had many advantages. I know men that God's used. Moody did the best he could. Take his background the best he could. Mel Trotter did the best he could. Torrey was a scholar, a Yale man. Uh, Wesley was a scholar, an Oxford man. 
Uh, God Almighty has had some great men that were great scholars. And he's picked up some men like Moody, never had a chance, and used them mightily. Like Jerry McCauley and all that. When they found God, they made the most of it. I've seen God do that with fellows. But he won't use you permanently if you come through school here and skim over your work. Now, let's all of us make our mind before we close this service just a minute. Now, every job you have today is a sacred job. You owe it to God Almighty to be at your engagements on time, and you owe it to God Almighty to listen to these announcements and heed them when you hear them. You owe it to God Almighty uh, to be at class on time, to be there with your lesson. And you owe it to God Almighty when you have a paper that's supposed to be ready at a certain time, have it ready at that time. Have it ready at that time. Now, wait a minute. Don't come dragging in a few days late and say, I was busy. Keep up with your work day by day. Now, that's a sacred way approach to life. Now, you're a Christian. You belong to God Almighty. God has a will for your life. And that will of God's wrapped up in every step you make. Everything you see, everything you hear, everything you do. Everything in your life that you touch is a part of God's will for you if you're consecrated and surrendered. Now, make the most of it. Now, you can, may not be a great singer, but if you're singing, sing the best you can. You may not be a great preacher, but if you're a preacher, preach the best you can. Listen, if you preach the best you can, you will be as big in the sight of God and angels as the greatest preacher that ever preached. And when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ and the Simons come in, God Almighty looks them over. If you preach the best you can, the Apostle Paul's sermon at Mars Hill won't be any better in the sight of God and angels than yours. May be more powerful in some ways and more influential down here. Now, you do the best you can. Life's a holy thing. Life's a sacred thing. God has a will about everything. He has a will about the girl you date. And listen to me. Don't go to asking one to marry unless you know it's God's will. This thing of going and getting engaged to a girl and, and then after you get engaged to her, step on her heart and break it and say, you know, I don't think it's God's will for us to go ahead. Don't start in unless you know it's God's will. Listen, you don't have to play a fool like that. If you are not dead sure it's God's will, don't ask her to marry you. We've had a few cases in the history of this school. Some boy would make up to a girl, get engaged to her, and then decide when he looked at some pretty eyes somewhere else that God Almighty had another plan for his life. And I think it's honorable to tell you now about it. You ought to have been honorable enough not to God in it you didn't mean. You didn't have to get engaged in it was God's will. This, you don't have to make those mistakes. You don't have to get in that kind of predicament. If you don't know it's God's will, hold it up till you do know what the will of God is. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything till you know what to do. Any man like wisdom, let him ask God. God didn't tell you one time to ask her, and then uh, six months later tell you to ask somebody else and drop her. You either all pitch one time. Either the first time, the second time, probably both times if you like that. Let's be sensible. Let's be practical. We have a great God. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Wisdom about who to marry. Wisdom about where to preach. Wisdom about what to do. Wisdom about where to go. Wisdom. Wisdom from above. Not earthly wisdom. Wisdom that's divine. But heavenly wisdom is always practical wisdom. Wisdom from heaven is never impractical. God Almighty is a sensible God. Infinite intelligence. And you didn't get down to heaven, but didn't practice. I've known men to make the greatest mistakes of our lives. The greatest mistakes in their lives because they weren't practical men, they wouldn't listen to practical men. 
I want to know something around here. I go ask somebody about a Greek word. I want to know about a Hebrew word. Somebody may go ask Dr. Brogenshire. Want to know about music? I go around and ask somebody that knows, because I don't know. But I sure could tell a lot of these folks in this country some things about everyday, ordinary life. Because that's the sphere in which I move, and I've had to deal with people. And I'm giving you one of the greatest lessons this morning ever been drilled in the young people. And if you let it get hold of you, and you'll get hold of it, and don't forget it and live up to it, it's true, and it'll last, and it'll live in your life forever. Let me say it again. Life isn't divided into two compartments. One of them secular and the other sacred. The secular is as sacred as what you call sacred. And over on either side of you is the will of God. Move in that will. Be faithful to God. And don't strut your piety in one place and not strut in another. Don't parade it on Sunday and not manifest it on Monday morning at breakfast. Don't parade it in some pulpit somewhere or in some choir somewhere and teach some Sunday school class and not demonstrate at home where you're taking care of the children. Look it out for the house. Let's be practical, sensible Christians. The devil is doing everything on earth he can to turn the fundamentalists in this country off to a tangent and make them act a fool and wreck the testimony. One thing about Almighty God through the years, he's held this school in the middle of the road. And everything we put up to the public, they say, well, that's practical. Going to keep it that way. You help us. And don't you reflect on it by any kind of life. It isn't a practical Christian life. Our Father. Here we are today from different sections of the country, different backgrounds. We've had all sorts of battles, all sorts of temptations, different kind of training. We love God if we know our hearts. We want to do thy will. So we look to thee for help this morning. We need wisdom from above. Wisdom from above. Wisdom down out of the sky. Wisdom from God. And you said we could have it. You said if we'd ask you and not wave when we ask, we'd get it. Give us wisdom so we know what to do. Help us we face the problems of life. In all of our relationships, let us remember to whom we belong. Let us remember that God has a will about every contact we make and everything we do. And help us in everything to give him the preeminent place and magnify his name and be faithful to him. And keep this school fervent in spirit. Always zealous. But always sane, always practical, because in this world how we need it. Oh, for that wisdom that give us a practical approach to the problems of life, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.